Section 23 of Mrs. Diamond. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Ruhi Huck. Mrs. Diamond by Anne Isabella Thackeray Ritchie. Book 2, Chapter 15, The Colonel Goes Home. I falter where I firmly trod, and falling with my weight of cares upon the great world's altar stairs that slope through darkness up to God, I stretch lame hands of faith and grope and gather dust and chafe and call to what I feel is Lord of all and faintly trust the larger hope in memoriam. Susanna was not happy about her husband next morning. He seemed unlike himself, though he said he was well. He looked dull and out of spirits. Tempe's heart, too, was very heavy, and she hung her head over her sewing, setting one weary stitch after another, as women do. Charlie was gone. She knew not when she should see him again, and her father was there, and yet gone, too, in a way. She could not bear him to be so gentle, so reserved, so absent in his manner. She was longing for an explanation with him, longing to speak and yet scarcely knowing how to begin. When the play of life turns to earnest, how strangely one's youthful valiance fails. That courage of the young, armed from head to foot with confident inexperience of failure and with hope, all undimmed as yet. The colonel was busy all the morning and closeted in his study with the bailiff. He came into Susie's room once or twice, where she was sitting with Tempe and with little Frazy playing at her knee. Frazy was the one cheerful, natural person in the house this gloomy morning. The colonel's silence did not silence her. Tempe's depression seemed to vanish suddenly when the child came tumbling down the room from her mother's knee. Tempe's black looks, so curiously like her father's, turned into some faint semblance of a smile as the little sister tugged at her dress to make her play. Susie had left the room when little Fefe, perching at the window, suddenly began to exclaim something about Papa and his Gigi, and Tempe, who had hoped that the moment for explanation had come, found that her father was starting for his morning ride, and now explanation must again be deferred. The explanation was not then, but it was very near at hand. Presently, Susie looked into the room with her straw hat on. Your father is gone to Ambleside. He has ordered James to meet him there at the station with the dog cart. They will bring Jocelyn home. Won't you come out now, Tempe? It will do you good. Or will you come with me to Miss Fletcher's after luncheon? But Tempe shook her head. She would not come, neither then nor later. She sat stitching away the morning, moping through the hours in a dreary, unsatisfactory sort of way. Susanna hoped that Jocelyn's return might cheer her up. What did Papa say to you last night? Tempe suddenly asked when she saw Susie getting up after luncheon to prepare for her walk. He said that he was glad that we had hidden nothing from him, that we had told him Charlie was there. He said he liked to feel that he could trust us, Susanna answered, and as she spoke, she seemed to see her husband's kind face and his outstretched hand again. Trust us, trust you, said Tempe. Did Aunt Fanny tell him Charlie was here? 
No, said Susie, blushing up. It was Aunt Carr who told him. She had gone to bed when your father reached the hall. She came out of her room in her dressing gown, hearing his voice. Miss Bolsover assured your father it was I who had arranged it all, Susie went on. And as she spoke, two indignant tears flashed into her eyes. Don't, 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 cried poor Tempy. My aunt knows how unhappy I am. And she turned and ran out of the room. Susie was glad to meet Wilkins and her little Frazee at the garden gate that afternoon. She was starting for a walk before the traveller's return. Frazee was armed cup of pie and helmed in quilted white and starch as the baby should be who is meant to defy the sun. She had picked a bunch of flowers and was hopping along the path and chattering as she went something about de pussy and the kitties in the garden and the kitty is eaten the pretty flowers and please mamma take little fefe with do i should like her to come with me wilkins said mrs diamond i'm going to call at the miss fletcher's oh very well ma'am says wilkins resigned she prefers her own company to respectful attendance upon her mistress, but she's a good creature and allows Susie to see a great deal of Frazee. Perhaps the thought of Miss Fanny's various paragons hanging by hairs over her head inclines Wilkins to regard her mistress's failings with leniency. Susie felt so sad and so much depressed that it was a real boon and comfort to be led along by the little one and to feel her warm hand in her own. Frazee was sturdy on her legs and thought nothing of the expedition. Their walk ran high up above the roadside along a blank cut in the shelving slopes and shaded by big trees of which the stems were wreathed and wrapped with ivy leaves. Beneath each natural arch formed by the spread of the great branches lay a most lovely world of cool waters and gentle mountain mist, of valleys full of peaceful browsing sheep. A strange cloud hung along the crest of the old man flashing with light. Susanna remembered it long afterwards. Every minute of that day seemed stamped and marked upon her mind. Frazee went first, still chattering to her mamma, who followed quietly, looking out at the tranquil prospect. Then came Wilkins. Once the nurse stopped short and Susie, who had walked a little ahead, called to her. I thought there was a something on the other side of the lake, ma'am, says Wilkins. There's a boat and a crowd. Susie stopped, looked, moved on again after an instant's pause. I cannot see clearly across the lake, she said, but the rain is coming. We must not be long. And she went on her way, still holding Frazee's warm little hand. The Fletchers lived in a stone slated cottage high up on the mountain side. It was homely enough, scanty but exquisitely clean and in perfect order. The little garden enclosed by its stone walls flashed lilac, gold and crimson, for the cottage flowers were all ablaze. Convolvulus, phloxes, sweet william and nasturtium, opening to the raindrops that were already beginning to fall. Martha Fletcher, the younger sister who kept the school, was standing out in the porch as her visitors arrived, somewhat breathless with their climb, and she came forward to welcome them with her smiling, peaceful looks and voice, and calling to her sister, opened the cottage door and showed them in. There were two rooms on the ground floor, leading from one to another, pleasant rooms, scantily furnished, with slated floors and lattice windows, and cross lights and a few geraniums in pots 
both rooms opened to the garden the first was a sort of kitchen with a kettle boiling on the hob the second was a parlour with a few wooden chairs an oak chest and a quaint old cupboard that would have made the fortune of a collector it is old it were never very much said martha in front of the cupboard jane the elder sister was lying back in her big chair knitting with a patchwork cushion at her back she looked pale and worn by ill health but she too brightened to welcome their visitors both these sisters had the calm and well-bred manners of people who live at peace in the good company of great and lovely things susy herself had not such easy and dignified greetings for her guests such kindness and unspoken courtesy in her ways as that with which these two women have now met her mrs diamond had come only intending to remain a few minutes but from behind the old man some sudden storm began to spread and in a few minutes swiftly rapidly the clouds had gathered and the rain began to pour very heavily all around about perhaps half an hour went by a strange half hour which ever afterwards susy looked back to with a feeling half of longing half of miserable regret it seemed to her as if some other susanna had lived it with its troubled apprehensions with a heart full of pain of dull excitement so long as it had been her own self in question she had felt no disloyalty in suppressing her own wishes crushing down the instinctive protest in her heart against the family thraldom and traditional subjection to conventionality but now that tempy's happiness and honesty of mind were concerned it seemed to susy that the time had come to speak she could not bear to disagree with her husband but the sight of tempy's dull pain stung her into action ah john who was so good so gentle and forbearing he would understand her he would yield to her entreaties to tempy's pleading susy sat paying her visit in a curious double state of mind the rain had ceased the cottage garden was refreshed the phloxes the zinnias the lupins the marigolds the whole array of cottage finery was refreshed and heavy with wet the birds had begun to fly and chirp again little phrasie stood at the door peeping out at an adventurous kitten who was cautiously advancing along the wooden bench martha sat erect on the wall rubbed mahogany settee jane lay back in her big chair with an invalid's gentle eyes full of interest fixed on their young visitor how comely mrs diamond do look thinks jane the fanciful there side by side we martha on the settle mrs diamond dressed in some soft brown pelisse with a touch of colour in it her loose country gloves her lace ruffles her coquettish brown felt hat with the shining bird's breast all seemed to make up a pleasant autumnal picture even more interesting to jane than that baby one in the doorway after all a tidy well-dressed child is no prettier an object than any one of the little ones bare-legged and rosy and tattered such as those jane and martha were used to teach and have up to play in the garden but a well-dressed beautiful lady is an interesting sight to a countrywoman martha from habit perhaps kept watch over phrasie but jane's eyes rested gently upon the young mother susy lingered on there was a sense of peace within as without the cottage a feeling of goodness of quiet duty fulfilled and unpretending refinement a thought crossed her mind what a happy life she might have led if only these women could have been her sisters 
True ladies indeed they seem to be, tranquil, courteous in their ways, making no difference between persons, as gentle and as welcoming to the shepherd's wife, who came drenched to the door in her clogs to report of Mrs. Barrow's fourth. As to Susie herself, the lady of the place, while neighbours talked on, Susie, girl-like, began to picture a life with John in a pleasant cottage with a garden full of flowers. She seemed putting off the moment of return and explanation and trying to think of other things. Susie dreaded going home, dreaded the explanation before her, dreaded the pain she must give her husband if she told him all she felt and that his decision seemed to her unjust and arbitrary. Dreaded concealment of the truth, some instinct seemed to tell her that Mrs. Bolsover, whatever happened, would make ill will between them all, and that trouble was at hand. And yet the heavy, indefinable sense which had haunted her all the morning was lighter since she had reached that peaceful home and seen the simple and comforting sight of two contented souls. These fancies did not take long. A little ray of light came straggling by the lattice. Frazee leaped and laughed in the doorway at the kitten's antics. Suddenly the child came running back to her mother's knee and hid her face in her lap and began to cry. Miss, my Frazee, what is it? said Susie, stooping and lifting her up. Did the kitty scratch you? But little Frazee didn't answer at first, then looking up into her mother's face. Papa, Fefe wants Papa, was all she said. I think Papa must be home. By this, said Susie, going to the door with the child in her arms, and she felt that with Frazee in her arms she could protest for Tempe's future rights. She could trust that kind and generous heart which had ever been so true to her to them all. The rain was gathering again. The sisters urged her to stay, but she was impatient, suddenly impatient to get back. A feeling which seemed strange, indescribable, outside everyday things and common feelings, had fallen on her once more. Was it the storm in the air? As she looked at the opposite hills, she felt as if the very line of the clouds against the sky had terror in it. No tangible impression was in her mind, but a restless alarm and discomfort. Susie wondered if she was going to be ill, though she was not given to fancies. Her one desire was to get home, and she took leave, hastily gathering up her skirts with Wilkins' help, tucking Frazee safe into the folds of her police. Jane and Martha looked gravely at her and did not attempt to detain her. Take care of Esel, they said. Martha came with them to the garden gate and stood holding it open, and as they were starting, they heard a step hurrying up from below. It was one of the grooms from the place who, not seeing Susie, exclaimed, Oh, Miss Fletcher, have you heard that there's been an accident across the lake? The Colonel and Mr. Joe have been cast out at the dog cart. I'm seeking Mrs. Diamond. An accident, said Susie, coming forward, holding Frazee very tight. Are they hurt, James? Is the Colonel? Neither of the gentlemen had spoke when I came away to seek him, ma'am, said the man with a pale face and some wonder at seeing her so composed. George Tyson brought them across in the boat with Doctor. The parson is there with Miss Bolsover. We have been looking for you, ma'am, a long while. End of section 23